Welcome to the Acronym Podcast, the only B2B marketing podcast where we don't care about CPLs, MQLs, and SQLs. And instead, I'm going to be sitting down with the industry's top thought leaders, business owners, and entrepreneurs to uncover how they were able to build the confidence to make the leap into entrepreneurship and ultimately break free of those golden handcuffs. I'll also be discussing my own story, scaling a multiple six-figure marketing agency in under 12 months, and hope to be able to inspire the next generation of digital marketers to make that leap into entrepreneurship. I'm your host, Chris Roach. In this episode, I'm joined by Jared Robin from Rev Genius. We're going to discuss the origin story of Rev Genius, how to grow a community from zero to 35,000 members in under two years, and what the future of Rev Genius looks like now that they're starting to monetize the platform. I'll see you in the interview. Hey, Jared, thank you so much for joining me. I would love to just kick things off by asking you a quick overview of what Rev Genius is and the business type that you're in at the moment with that. Yeah, we're a community. We have 35,000 members, sales, marketing, RevOps, customer success, predominantly in software as a service space. That's the business we're in. The business model behind that is paid sponsorships, and we're looking to monetize some part of our members as well, some memberships. So the members don't pay anything at the moment? No, it's 100% free to come in. That's allowed or that's supported by the sponsor revenue. Got you. Very cool. I'd love to dive into the origin story of Rev Genius. Yeah. I think a lot of marketers, myself included, I have a small community. We have about 100 members in there. Everybody wants to start a community. Growing it to 35,000 people, that's no small feat. So can you talk about where you had the idea to start Rev Genius and really what that growth trajectory has looked like? Yeah, I'll give everybody the quick hack. You want to grow a community this big or bigger beyond your wildest dreams. The hack is to do it full time. That means eight hours a day or more. Yeah. It's that simple. I know for a fact you're probably not at a hundred because it's not like what you're optimizing. But think about it. If that's all you do for eight plus hours a day, at a minimum, your results are going to be better. I, oh, I don't yeah. even think that's arguable. And they're probably going to be light years better. Light years. So that's the hack, right? Like we could tell all the quick stories behind that, like all the tactics that sure there's plentiful. This is a podcast for marketers. You figure it out. You're going to get the best marketers get things wrong more than they get it right, but they net out significantly more, right? Because the yeah, ones yeah. Like, they hit, they hit hard. Throw that out there. Like this, this is nothing new for you all. It's just probably the time spent would be new, but going to the origin story, we started at the beginning of it. I had no job. And I really wanted to get a job. It was really hard to get a job. It's hard now with all these layoffs. I wonder if it's harder. It's hard because I'm in a different position, so I don't see it. It's definitely got some of the same type of energy, though. People In COVID, people stopped hiring. Yeah. Now they're laying people off. So the new jobs are hard, but there's probably more people flooding the market. Yeah. But reaching out to hiring, I was willing to go from like leadership to like, being an enterprise AE and just making like 250K a year, which is great, half guaranteed, half earned. I'm like, sign me up. Let's get me working. I don't give a shit. Let's go. And it was hard. It was hard. People weren't hiring. So I had to go above and beyond. And one of the things I did to bide my time, because when you're not working, you have 40 hours a week or more of free time, theoretically. And the hack there is spend at least 25 hours a week with your job being to get another job, like at least, like from networking to interviewing to applying to showing up. And part of my time was showing up and it was showing up to digital events. We weren't able to go in person 
networking events, how-tos in other communities, and et cetera. And I realized there was a gap, that there was no open, inclusive, no communities out there. There were some events, there were some paid communities, et cetera. And like, really? There's nothing that allows everybody in? I created it, and I'm like, at the time, I started spending 40 50, 60, 70 hours a week not getting paid building this up, a few hours a week interviewing for other things, and it just grew really fast. The beautiful irony is it caused me difficulty in getting a job, even though Mm -hmm. it put me on more people's radars that could give me a job. And I couldn't in my, as I was building better relationships with hiring managers and VPs and leaders and everything, I was also making them suspect that I would actually do their job full time because they were part of this community and they're like, huh. And then I actually had two recruiters say, Jared, that I was close with, that I've been close with, say, Jared, I think you should stop interviewing. You have something that's too good. And I'm like, thank you, but I'm making no money. And they're like, but you really should try. Let me know what you need. And one of them, oh my God, he literally, when I broke my laptop and I told some folks about it, he literally was going to buy me a new laptop. I couldn't take it but like that level of kindness is big and i think transition like this is what happens when you start a company there's no money coming in but that's the origin and we let everybody in we optimize to get as many members in there as possible then i'm like there's some law there's some diminishing returns happening the more members we get the lower engagement happens because people it gets too crazy and people leave and let's figure that out and let's figure some other challenges out and uh, oh engagement dropped too low how do we spike it to get back the other way yeah we had a really awesome uh, serendipity where our engagement was way too I don't want to say too high. Our engagement was super high that it was like the wild west, like mm-hmm. a phenomenon. And, and I, I didn't have the right team, myself included, to capitalize on that fully. So it's a learning experience, but you just have to stay in the game. So at what point did you decide this was going to be a full-time option for you? When was that conversation with your, your peer that said, hey, you've got something real here? Like how far into the journey was that? Probably three to six month range. So in those first uh, three to might, six might months, as early as three months, yeah, like we were growing really fast and jobs were really hard to get, but I stopped applying okay. in the three to six month range. And at that point, were you monetizing the platform at all? No. So how were you surviving? No, I just made a decision. I wasn't. I had to move home. Uh, I lived with my dad. I had unemployment checks that were able to barely cover my rent and uh, all other expenses I either dipped into savings or uh, I moved home to my dad even having the apartment in the city for five weeks so that he could pay for food. And he did it. I have a wonderful father. I have pictures somewhere of me building his deck with him as in my head is payment. We would have done it anyway. I've never worked harder in my life and I've never been happier to do the job. I only from my relationship with my father, but I can only imagine trying to explain a free community to my dad as to what my job would be. How was that conversation? It was cool. From a monetization standpoint, there might have been worries, but like from a buzz standpoint, he was on LinkedIn and he saw it. He's like, Jared, you, I don't know exactly what you're doing, but I know it's big and keep doing it. So you have to keep in mind, I'm also 38 years old when I started this and he knew that I had at least a baseline of pragmatism or hoped by that. Otherwise it was all for yeah. now. It might've been quite different if I was 19 bypassing college to do this thing versus being 38 that lost my job that's doing this thing. 
not leaving my job, that already lost my job. So the situation was different. And uh, my dad is a big fan of all of his kids and especially mine. So I knew he didn't know quite what I do. He still might not know fully. And part of me wants, you know, but he knows he could leverage it for what he wants to do now. He's like, can you get yeah. me in front of your people? Cause I'm yeah, watching yeah. This, this side hustle. I'm like, okay. Got you, got you, very cool. So at that point, you're, you've moved back home. You're, at this point, you're, you're really, you're bootstrapping. And I've been there, I launched a set out of college. I worked in bars and restaurants in the evenings to pay for developers in India to build it. Like I've been there and done that. I was a little younger, I was 22, 23. So didn't necessarily have the pragmatism to be able to. There was a lot of things I was learning as I was going. I didn't have 10 years in the industry experience to be able to help me with that. What happened next year? What were the next kind of three, six months like after that? I put so much faith in that if we just built the amount of people coming in and the buzz and the engagement there, that money would just come to us and it did. Through sponsorships? Yeah, through sponsorships. Brands started coming like asking, hey, do you do sponsorships? And I'm like, not yet, but we will. Yeah. And then figure it out, put like a dollar amount with that based on what I heard going around, like in the wind. Got a few people, then built some structure, and then eventually was able to bring a later stage co-founder in who came in at the six-month mark to help us like with all of our data. So like we had all this buzz and stuff, but I didn't know who was in our community. Yeah. Like this was a big gap. I just brought everybody in, but I didn't know who was in. I didn't know the name, the email, the the title, the company, how big the company was and all of that, because that's what you have to sell to sponsors, right? It's, that's what you need yourself. So brought somebody else in to help us organize that. That was a project. Did good enough with that. And uh, we're currently updating our data, but we're getting better. But we're asking people at the front end who they are, what they do, enriching that data, et cetera. So how long did it take you to make your first dollar amount with RevGenius? Seven months. Seven months was the time the company took the first money. So we started, we incorporated the company July, 2020. We went live June, 2020. We were growing so fast. May, 2020 is when I started this like on LinkedIn and maybe the timbers we took money. Um, December, I paid myself $5,000 of that year. I gave myself 5,000 and that became my salary, $5,000 a month at 60,000 a year for all your newbies listening. But yeah. Yeah. Which um, for the first six months, it was 5,000 a month. I was an independent contractor with no benefits for about six months. Yeah. Were you paying out of pocket for benefits then? Or did you not have benefits? You know the answer to that. I, I ask. I, you're I making ask, five thousand a month. You're not paying out of pocket for anything. You're just you're drinking water and you're praying to not get hit by a car. Yeah, I, it's funny. We have a lot of, and we talked about this a little bit before. We have a lot of agency owners that come on here. And we talk about marketers that want to make that jump into running an agency. And one of the pieces of advice I, I give marketers is get to the point where your income from the agency basically matches your expenses if you're looking to make that jump. Because at that point, at least you're breaking even. And I've been in the situation you're at when you go from making six figures as a company and then suddenly you're down to zero and trying to get to that point. It's the, for me, it's the mental toll of losing money every month was what I really struggled with because if your expenses are 5,000, but you're making two, you're still losing 3,000 every month. And that's a really difficult position to be in we're going to take a quick moment to pause this episode and thank our sponsors. Firstly, we've got the first sponsor, which is True Classic, the clothing company. As you all know from all of my content, I've been wearing True Classic for the last 18 months, and it truly is the staple of my wardrobe. 
What I find is that a lot of the clothes that I buy previously were all too baggy, they didn't fit right. The best part about True Classic, not only is it incredibly soft, but for those of you that have broader shoulders, that have larger arms, who just tend to be a little bit more athletic, the fit is absolutely amazing. It makes you look great. And a lot of people call these really the push-up bras for guys. I can tell you, when you wear these t-shirts, you look good. If you're interested in trying True Classic, there's gonna be a link in the description of this episode. There's gonna be my personal link, or you can go to trueclassics.com slash thechrisroach. Go ahead, check out the store. I guarantee you, you will not be sorry if you start wearing True Classics. If you do end up purchasing them, please let me know what you purchased. I'm curious to hear feedback. Moving on to our second sponsor, which is the Independent Marketer, which is an online course and community that I've created to be able to teach digital marketers how to go out and break out of the golden handcuffs and ultimately launch either their own freelancing career or build it into their own digital marketing agency. In the description, there's gonna be a link to that course. And as a thank you for listening to this podcast, there's gonna be a special $100 discount on that course as well. If you do have any questions on that, please feel free to reach out to me directly or shoot me a message on LinkedIn. Back to the episode. What was your, how did you stay mentally strong in that, knowing that in the first 12 months you pay yourself 5,000? Was there ever that moment where you thought, I'm just gonna go and get a job. I've gotta do something. This is, it's great, but it's a, a side project rather than a business. Those feelings were all in the beginning. At a certain point, that point would probably slightly after the recruiters told me to go for it, I said, I'm throwing faith to the wind. I am not the person to work for a company. That's mm -hmm. not mine. That's not who I am. Listen, I lived out of office buildings for a couple month period, like at early stage companies. I moved in with my dad at 38 years old for a few weeks. If I had to move in with my dad for life, it wouldn't be for life, right? Yeah. But if I had to, that's a great roommate. Like that'd be fun. <laughs> yeah. My social life would go to hell, but like, I am so confident in this vision and I'm also so confident in me figuring it out now. Like I've done at smaller scales my whole life. And I'm also confident. I'm more confident that if I'm put in a position to sink or swim, I'm not going to bail out of that. Position, if that makes sense, I might sink. I'm not it's saying I'm not going to but I'm not going to bail. And I know that if I stay in it, even in the sink or mediocrity, which is probably more realistic, like mediocrity is like more realistic, like you're getting a little something in, you're figuring it out. Yeah. If I stay in it, there is no chance of long-term failing. Yeah. I focus on the present, like there's dozens of things that can go wrong realistically, mm -hmm. can go wrong in any month or in any day, certainly in any month or any week. Realistically, they could go wrong. There's dozens more on top of that that like worst case scenario could happen. Yeah. Don't pay any of that mind just to execute. We have I, no money or whatever. Who the fuck cares? Just go. Oh, these people are leaving. Who the fuck cares? Just keep going. Understand it, empathize with it. Why, what you could do better. Recalibrate when needed. But from a mental state, like that could put you in the ground, literally. So mm -hmm. do everything in your power to, to be level-headed. It's yeah. being level-headed is the biggest superpower for an entrepreneur or a human. Yeah, no, I agree completely. I think it's when you remove the option of failing off the table, it's amazing well, it's not, what happens. Failing is always an option, but bailing is not an option. Pers personally failing, I should say. Sure. Personally deciding that, and at some point there may be a position and some people listening to this have families and kids and other pressures outside of that. I personally, I'm married with no children. So I have some pressure, but not that much pressure with that. So 
I have the flexibility to test things. But if you decide you're not going to quit, the chances of succeeding obviously is infinitely higher. Jason Calacanis, quote, love him or hate him. Apparently a lot of people hate him nowadays, but I was listening to a podcast with him on it. Startups don't fail when they run out of cash. They fail when the founder gives up on them. Yeah. Gumroad ran out of cash, bro. Come on, let's go. All of his people left. He had to restructure and everything. Lots of props for that person. Yeah, yeah. Crazy. He did it. He's doing it. He's not the only one. Yeah, absolutely. So with that being said, with the mentality you have of it's, you're not going to quit. What does the future look like for Rev Genius? More difficulties, more challenges, (laughs) and more helping more people. Like we're going to become, this is a tough year. It's not an easy year. But yeah. we're putting our heads down and we're neutraling right through it, right? We're going to get through it. We're building and we're excited. We're hiring. Not easy because mm-hmm. the money is not coming as, as plentifully as or as easily in the past. But that said, we didn't saturate everything. Like we didn't saturate the market. There's still more to gain. There's more efficiencies to gain. So it's harder to get it. But there's even with a smaller market, there's still lots of opportunities for us. And that's exciting. Grow our community, grow our revenue. But... We want to become the de facto place for all revenue professionals to go. Community for everybody, a space for an exclusive space for senior leaders, an inclusive community for literally everybody. Content, we're building out our mag right now, our digital mag, rebuilding mm-hmm. it, putting it out there. There's no thought leadership outside of LinkedIn right now, really. Yeah. Like where? Like people aren't even having their own blogs anymore. That day passed. There's you tell me, man. You tell me where. Is it HubSpot? It's not in HubSpot. It's, it's not in HubSpot, mate. Like you t- yeah. like, And is there a need for it? I actually think we're coming around again to there being a need for it because th- as creators are coming, it, it's not the creators that have made it. It's the up-and-comers that really want to contribute and be everywhere. It is the people that have made it as well. Like to grow a platform, I do think that there's a massive opportunity there mm-hmm. and a big gap. And I'm not talking five ways to SEO. I'm talking like true thought leadership pushing, like category creating content on AI. Like I heard GPT release. What does that mean for my job? I heard GPT released. How the fuck can I use it for RevOps? Like I want to get in on this. Don't pitch a product. Tell me how I could use it and leverage it with my stack to make us smarter and build it right now. No code. Nobody on LinkedIn saying that. Yeah. You Should we Google how to do that now? Oh man. That brings up that whole thing. The point I'm trying to make is there's a gap there. So like we want to beat that resource and then like tool directory with all the tools. There's G2. G2 has literally every tool in the world. Let's just give the revenue tools. Mm. But there's this, okay, yes, you could come up with a space that only you know. But like there's there's not a lot there, right? So we want to be, fill a bunch of gaps and be important for a bunch of people and and help collaborate on the future of go-to-market. And we want to infuse... Our mission is to bring creativity and inspiration to all revenue professionals. Nobody's creative. Everybody's talking creators because somebody else said it. Yeah. Everybody's talking community because somebody else said it. Let's get people to think outside the box. Be creative, et cetera, et cetera. Everybody's using Webflow because somebody else said it. And that's fine. That's yeah. normal. That's natural. Which is why like our missions to push them to be like create the new future. And so one exciting. of the things one of the things you said earlier that I wanted to circle back on, you talked about having kind of the exclusive executive membership, but then also the inclusive membership for everyone. Do you see that being, I guess, almost a conflict of interest between them? How do you have exclusivity whilst also having inclusivity? Easy. Like you, you have exclusivity with objectivity. Like you could, we have an exclusive spot if you pay money and you're a VP or a C-level person. 
it's a, you you could not pay money and be in the inclusive part too. Do I see it if, like we're just having different conversations and putting extra resources and creating an extra product? It's not the same thing. You just have to pay if you're a certain level. If you're a certain level, you don't have to pay. Fine. The people that pay at that certain level are engaging in like deeper mastermind conversations. Oh yeah. And that we're putting significantly more time, resources, and energy into building up. And then, sure, maybe we'll create exclusive things for everybody too. Like, it could go all the way down. But I think to be the most important space and revenue, you need to have an inclusive entry point. And I think they call it freemium in products, right? Absolutely. Sure this exists, man. Yeah, no, absolutely. It's You really... I think it's PG. From the surface of things, you have a... It's SaaS products, basically, that you're trying to obviously grow and scale. There's a lot of similarities between the community component and building a SaaS product. Yeah. Community with a, with a no-cost entry point is a PLG. And it's not that we're not giving value. We're giving a ton of value, working so mm -hmm. hard. It's just that we could give more granular value to like the person level when we uh, when we charge for it. We're building community, okay? There, people I'm talking to, senior leaders, are saying that there's a massive gap in actual community in the space, okay? I see your face. There's a massive gap. Yeah. And no matter where you're at, there's a gap of community. Being able to call the CRO of this company or this or that, we're gonna we're gonna limit our cohorts to 150 people, Chris. Okay. We're connecting into Slack Connect, so you don't have to go to another Slack. We're gonna be living with you, bro. This is it's my understanding that they don't do that, and it's not as personal, and that's important for us to have that. And I think that they're a wonderful platform that has done so much good stuff for this space. Yeah, no, absolutely. So I, I see a tremendous value in both platforms and I will no doubt be an executive member of both communities. For me as a business owner, it's a no-brainer. It really is for me to get the value in there. It's I get a tremendous amount of value out of being in communities to be able to ask peers. And then also as an agency owner, I get a lot of clients out of these communities just from being a resource to honestly answer questions when people have them. When people are looking for questions and they need help, just being there as a resource more often than not results in either a warm introduction to somebody, a good conversation, or just building out, again, my own kind of network and, with that as well. And I want to, there, there's Modern Sales Pros, which is all about leadership. There's Pavilion, that's all about leadership. And they've done a wonderful job in paving the way for creating amazing spaces for folks. Yeah. And with what we're creating, it's an evolution of that. And it's another space with a little different of a, a mission that hopefully could help people in, in new ways. Yeah, absolutely. So the two questions I want to finish up with. Firstly, for someone that's considering going out on their own, whether that's starting an agency, starting a business, for you, I mean, I view this very much as starting a SaaS company. This is true startup. This is not like we talked about before. It's a lot easier to start than what you've done because you can monetize it right from the get-go and you only need one person to monetize it. You don't have to have that, obviously, that network effect of having a large community. What advice would you give to someone that is looking to start their own business and is maybe preparing many for the hardship of entrepreneurship. Nothing I'll teach you. Light hustles will prepare you more than anything else. Take clients on the side if your time can afford it. Mm -hmm. That's pretty practical and a lot of folks do that. Also, if you're going to an agency and you're running marketing somewhere, ask your current employer if they'll be your first client, right? Like let's say you're getting paid 10 grand a month from them, you're 120K salary, you're doing pretty good. Yo, what if I do 25% of the work for 25% of the money? I'm sorry. You can't put it in those terms because, yeah, yeah. but what if I deliver half the stuff or a majority of this and we're 7,500 a month or 5k a month? 
that could give you that could give both of you something beneficial because they could cut their costs. You're not giving them the full thing, but you could create a plan for putting yourself in there that they don't need to hire somebody that new for, perhaps. Yeah. And I see, you see, you've seen that. I've seen that. It doesn't always work, but it does work too. Mm-hmm. That's an option. It's putting yourself out there in as many ways as possible. It is a great a great way to do it. Make sure you're building your pro brand up. Build relationships, and then you probably want some clients before you get going. You do, and you probably want to have conversations with them, right? Like, even if you could get clients for 3K a month as a side hustle, and you could get three to five of those. Adds up quick. It adds up. It adds up. And you can even close other clients, like right as you start and say, hey, my rate's 3,500 instead of 3K, but I'll lock you in. It's going to go to 5K. Doing this full time. Cause I'm going to be able to get more hours or move some of those people from 3000 to 5,000 because you can give them more hours. I think that's, what's beautiful about the agency model is that you can hustle it like really well and transition really well. I had, a uh, our old community manager did this worked at Pinterest. Awesome guy. He took us as a client to be like the head of community for $3,000 a month or 3,500 a month based on what we could afford. Cause we had a gap and he saw that he's like, why don't I come here? I introduced him to another client. I'm pretty sure he was working with another one. I'm pretty sure he charged others more. He might've charged some mm-hmm. less, but based on where they're at. But I have no doubt he was around 10K a month by the time he went on his own. Yeah. I'm pretty confident at that. And then from there, then you could figure it out. But it's very pragmatic. Like three to six months before he started seriously taking side clients on. Yeah. That's, and it seems to be, there's a magical thing that happens at 10K a month as an agency. If you're a confidence. solo, yeah, you suddenly, you have confidence and you have the ability to lose a client and not be in a bad situation. So you have a little bit of really cushioning to be able to hopefully save some money, build up a little bit of runway and you don't put yourself in a, obviously a bad pin with that. The coolest thing is if you're making 10K a month, Maybe you're at like seven to eight K actually, right? Like after taxes, mm-hmm. if you only need to make seven to eight K then you could pay all the taxes are the last thing that comes out. Saving mm-hmm. yourself is the first, so to speak. So there's a little bit, you don't actually need 10 K to equal 10 K a month. You probably need seven K, right? And that realization is big because you're like, damn, I only need to live on five K. Yeah. Which was me like. 5k after taxes, but now I can live on 5k before taxes because I run the business. These are all my expenses and, and I can be crafty and I can pay tax later and all these other things. So you have more flexibility, which is cool. And it's something you realize when you're out on your own, you're like, I only have 6k this month. Like I'm okay. It's yeah. It's amazing. Yeah, there's so, I guess so, something magical happens at 10. And if you can lower your expenses and you can be lean with it, it's you just at that point really have no reason to quit and give in because it's only going to be up from there. And again, I'm 18 months into running my agency. Something happens after 12 months. There's a, an inflection point that I found from me having to go outbound so much to then now it's all referrals and inbound. Oh, Something and happens then, after 12 months. And then at 24 months, you might take yourself out of it altogether. And that's the cool thing. I watched old founders at 24 months, they were at $3 million revenue. They had a team mm-hmm. of, I don't know, 20, 15, something like that. And they got funding for another business. And they're like, yeah, we just check in. And they hired a managing director. Yeah. But anyway, like it's cool. It just takes a little bit. I have some great people to suggest you interview that, that have done just that with ACs. Yeah, I'd love to. Yeah, so you can chat offline or chat, we can on, chat offline. on LinkedIn. 
yeah, I'd love to, yeah, love to get your recommendations on there. Final question, because I know we are coming up on time. For those Thank that have so loved this interview, loved hearing your story and want to learn more, where can they find you? We're going to put all the links in the comments. What are the yeah. best places to find you? LinkedIn is easy. Email jared at revgenius.com. Come into revgenius.com. Hit sign up. Send me a message in Slack. Awesome. Sounds good. I'll make sure all those links are in the description on the podcast and on YouTube as well. And I no, really appreciate you coming on. It's been a pleasure, obviously, meeting you and being able to hear your story and really much looking forward to how the community progresses being a member over the next you know, six to 12 months as well. Thanks, Chris. This has been great. And that concludes this episode. If you have any questions, please head into the comments where you'll find all of the available links. If you have any questions on our sponsors, all the links will be in the description. Please stay tuned for the next episode. Thank you.